Are you ready to know your worth and identity in the body of Christ? Are you ready for kingdom conversations with kingdom people? Welcome to the Recovery to Recovered podcast. I'm your host, Caleb McCall, and I will be guiding you through the word with preaching and teaching and empower you to know who you are in Christ Jesus. Hello and welcome to the Recovery to Recovered podcast. I am your host, Caleb McCall. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to our first episode. I am pumped about today. And look, if you're tuning in, I just want to thank you. Um, With this show, I'm going to be real. I'm going to be raw. I'm going to be authentic. This might not be the most polished show, but I can tell you it'll be real. And we're going to talk about some tough topics. You know, on our show, we're just a firm believer in this, that there is a road to recovery. And the road to recovery ends on a street called Redeemed. Uh, I'm a pastor here in Middle Tennessee area. Um, and I pastor a young adult group, but I also am the executive director and founder of Be the Bush Recovery Ministries, where we are seeing men and women now with our women's home, Miriam House, that is seeing men and women set free from the bondages of addiction by the power of God's Spirit through His Word and through His anointing. It has been amazing to get to be a part of. And so on this show, we will be discussing recovery and the church. Um, We're going to talk about recovery in the church a lot on this show. I'll be interviewing other executive directors, other directors of ministries like mine across the country, and I'm thankful for ministries like mine across the country. I'm going to get into my testimony today um, and give you the background on me for episode one because there's a lot of people that will be listening to this who have not heard my testimony yet. You can also check out my testimony on The 700 Club. You can check it out on YouTube and other platforms on their social media sites as well. So I'm going to get into a little bit of that today, um, but really wanted to talk in episode one about what it is that we want to accomplish through the Recovery to Recovered podcast. You know, I am a firm believer there is a road to recovery. Um, There is, Um, but Jesus has made you a new creation in him and you have been bought by his blood and you are redeemed and when you make a mistake it doesn't mean you're unsaved or that God doesn't love you anymore Um, you have been bought by his blood you are redeemed you can get to the point in your walk where you are recovered especially when it comes to drugs and alcohol you know we teach our men they are not and our women that there is a road to recovery, but there is not this constant state of recovery and in their mind where they're once an addict, always an addict. We do not teach our men and women that. And so we'll be discussing some of those things on this podcast. And, you know, um, one of my main goals for the podcast is for the church to know how to respond and how to walk with people who are coming out of recovery or coming into coming into recovery and uh, showing them, wrapping their loving arms around them and, and teaching them and showing them about the gospel and the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Um, I am grateful that when I walked in the doors of my church at 24 years old, a broken individual already, um, that I had a church that knew how to deal with these situations um, and sent me to a program called Teen Challenge where I spent a year of my life being discipled, learning how to follow Jesus. And uh, the Lord called me to come back home 
and start a program of my own based off the Teen Challenge model. I'm just glad that I was a part of a church, glad that I was a part of a ministry that knew how to handle this situation. Because I'm going to be real with you, a lot of churches don't know how to deal with addiction. They don't know how to deal with folks that are coming out of addiction that want to give their life to the Lord. And it all, you know, it starts with, yes, saying yes to Jesus, asking the Lord to come into your life, asking him, uh, you know, to change you. But there has to be, has to be a discipleship process. You know, Jesus didn't say, go out into the world, get all the people at the end of your service to raise their hand and ask Jesus into the heart while bowing their heads. He says, go out into the world and make disciples make disciples. A person coming out of addiction will never overcome addiction if you don't wrap your loving arms around them and disciple them and teach them. The world looks at our program as a faith-based drug and alcohol rehabilitation center, but really what I am is a discipleship program. I teach men and women Jesus. In return, they get set free from drugs and alcohol, and not only that, but a lifestyle of sin. Um, and so that's what we're accomplishing in our program, uh, in our programs. And this is what I'm wanting to accomplish through this podcast is to equip people, be a resource for our country. We get guys that, and girls that come from all over the nation to our program um, where they're being discipled and learning how to follow Christ. And so I'm going to be interviewing other directors from across the country that work in the same type of field that I do in the recovery field. I am also a pastor at Canvas Community Church here in Manchester, Tennessee. That's where I I walked in the doors of that church, a broken individual, and the pastor just began to love on me. He didn't beat me across the head with the Bible that I didn't understand anyways. He just began to love on me, would take me out to lunch periodically, and he had a resource to help me because he did not go through what I had been through, so it was hard for him to understand where I was coming from and he was smart enough to understand okay if I don't understand where this young man's coming from I'm going to get him to somewhere that does and that is one of my goals for this podcast and for this program to teach the church give the church resources on how to help folks coming out of addiction because let's be honest these people we want them to come into our church you want the addict to come into your church so that they can be saved and that they can be set free and delivered. That is the gospel. The gospel has always been about transformation. If you preach grace apart from transformation, you'll preach perversion. Yes, there is grace, but people need to be transformed by the power of God's gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. And so, you know, like I said, I'll be doing interviews with different folks from around the country You'll hear, instead of commercials on this show, you will hear testimonies uh, at our, our intermission points from guys and girls in our program. They'll be short, you know, anywhere from two to three minute testimonies of what God has done in these folks' life that are in our program. And so I'm super excited about that, getting to testify. You know, the word of God says that you overcome that great serpent, that great dragon by the blood of the lamb. And the word of our testimonies, testimonies can't save people, only the blood of Jesus can, but it helps people to overcome that great ancient serpent, the devil, when people can hear a testimony of God's power 
and how God has saved them, how God loves them and has changed them from the inside out. And so I'm also a pastor here in Manchester, Tennessee, in the Middle Tennessee area, right in between Chattanooga and Nashville. And so I have a heart for the kingdom of God. Any believer, if you are a believer, you should have a heart for the kingdom of God and his people. So I also will be doing interviews with the fivefold ministry, um, you know, with pastors, prophets, teachers, evangelists, all, all these folks. I'm going to bring these folks in and we're going to talk about what is going on in the kingdom of God, how God is pouring out his spirit on his people, how God is still wrecking and changing lives, flipping him upside down and transforming them into the image of his son. So we're going to be talking about kingdom things, kingdom conversations with kingdom people who are making an impact for the kingdom of God. I will also be doing some preaching and teaching on on this show. You know, I got a little bit of preach on me, as we say in the South. And so uh, there will be episodes where I just come on and I just want to release a word that I believe will impact your life and that will make you and help you to know God on a greater level after you hear the words that the Lord gives to me when I preach and teach on this show. So I am just, I'm super excited about this. I'm super excited that God has blessed us in our ministry with this platform to be able to reach the nations with the word of God, with testimonies and helping the church to understand how to deal with with recovery in the church. We want these people to come to our churches so that we can get them saved, so that they can be transformed and changed for the gospel and by the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I want to get into a little bit of my testimony today. Um, Very briefly, very quickly, like I said, you can watch that testimony on YouTube or um, platforms of social media with the 700 Club was on 700 Club Interactive a couple years ago. So I'm going to touch briefly on, on, on my testimony and tell you and testify of what it is that God has done in my life because he has transformed and changed me. And that's what the gospel is all about. So I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up in a Christian church. And just let me start off by saying that so many people who deal with addiction they're coming out of the church. They grew up in the church, and all it takes is a few bad decisions to get wrapped up in this thing. Um, but I grew up in the church. My parents went through a divorce when I was about five years old. Uh, that devastated me and crushed me. I wanted my family to be together. I wanted my mom and dad to be together, but it did not work out. They were both Christians, but their marriage didn't work out. And I'll say that the enemy wants to attack marriages. The enemy wants to destroy families. Why? Because it is a representation of the covenant that God has between himself and mankind. And the enemy wants nothing more than to destroy homes. And, uh, you know, that devastated me as a kid. And I held on to that growing up as a kid. I didn't even speak till I was four years old. And then when I did speak, um, I had a speech impediment when I was young going up through school and had to go through speech classes. Just amazing of what a transformation of God can do in a man's life. And now I'm speaking all over the country and and getting to speak on a podcast where uh, many, many people will be reached. But that's a testimony to what God can do. That ain't a testimony about me. I, I physically would not be able to do that. But the power and the spirit of God on somebody's life can transform them into something that they are totally not. 
and transform them into something that God created them for the entire time. Um, but, you know, I grew up uh, in a divorce home. Um, by about 11 and 12, I got introduced to drugs and alcohol. And by 13, I, would what, I was what society would call a full-blown functioning addict. And I say that in the sense of I was addicted to marijuana. So I was smoking marijuana. I was smoking weed every single day um, at 13 years old. Um, I grew up as an athlete. I love sports. Um, had opportunities to play college ball, getting ahead of myself. But I squandered all of those. And so I was wrapped up in sports. That's what my identity was in. All I wanted to do was play sports and be good at sports. Um, and so at 13 years old, this started 13 years old. My best friend's brother-in-law come home from prison and decided it would be a good idea to introduce us to cocaine. And I began using cocaine in the eighth grade and, and selling it on a small level. And um, this was my eighth grade year. I'm in junior high school and had already developed into a drug dealer and entrepreneur of sorts, uh, began to love the lifestyle, fast money. Um, you know, I, I love shoes and clothes and all these things um, had me wrapped up in. It was when, in the eighth grade, is when the rapper 50 Cent's first album come out, Get Rich or Die Trying. And my goodness, I almost feel like that album about ruined my life because that's all I was consumed with. That's all I wanted to be like was like uh, him, like other rappers and, and movies and Scarface and all these things that I seen on TV, that I seen in, in movies coming out of Hollywood. And that was, you know, how I started out my high school career, you know, was a pretty good athlete, had schools looking at me for ball throughout high school, but I was always selling dope, always selling drugs. And that was my life, you know, I was a master manipulator. I hadn't really met my heavenly father yet. Um, and so I was just like the father of lies. I was a master manipulator. My parents, you know, they they thought that some things were going on, but didn't know how bad they was because I was a master manipulator. At my first arrest, I was 13 years old, drinking and fighting in a apartment complex in Shelbyville, Tennessee. And, you know, um, this is where my life was. A master manipulator lied to my parents all the time, would just lie go hang out with friends and just be gone and all this craziness. And so, um, you know, fast forwarding a little bit, um, at 18 years old, after I had graduated high school, I did happen to get to graduate high school after going to three different high schools. I was an athlete, like I said. And so when I would get in trouble or things would uh, break loose in my life, as far as negative things, I would just pack my bags and leave. And my dad, God bless him. He loved me so much and he wanted me to do well. So he would remove me from my situations to try to keep me out of trouble. And can I just share that with you today, church and body of Christ and anybody who might be listening who might not even be saved. You cannot run from your problems. The thing is that you're going to take your problem with you. Why? Because you're going to take yourself with you wherever it is that you go. You cannot just change your area and change your life. You need to change from the inside out. Give your life to Jesus. Let him fill you with his spirit and you overcome the situations and face the battles that you need to face. I know that was one problem in my life until I finally settled down and went to Teen Challenge. I always ran from my problems. I ran from my problems. I ran from my situations instead of facing them head on. And so 
at 18 years old, I get introduced to these um, fellas who had a lot of drugs, and I began to work for them. There were some Spanish fellas, and when I say they had a lot of drugs, I mean they had a lot of drugs. And I began working for these guys, and, you know, a lot of people would try to build themselves up and act like they was, you know, the man, and that they was this and they was that. But I'm going to tell you right now, there is always... Uh, somebody who's doing more than you, somebody who's doing bigger than you when it comes to that lifestyle. And so, you know, I began working for these guys, but, um, you know, I began to make a lot of money um, at 18 years old. I lived in one of the nicest neighborhoods here in my hometown, three, four cars in the driveway, you know, just people living there. It was, it was just bananas. It was crazy. My life was, was wild and crazy. And, um, I, my girlfriend at the time got pregnant our senior year in high school. Uh, that was a toxic relationship that I was a part of for about eight, eight, nine years. Um, and we had a son at 18 years old. So I had this son at 18 years old and I had no idea how to be a father. My, my father was actually a good example, but none of that was in my head. None of that was in my spirit. And you know, I'm trying to raise this little boy. I loved him so much. I loved my son, Aiden, my first son, Aiden. Um, but I was not a good father. I was trying. I was there. Um, there wasn't time in his life that I was absent unless I was in jail. And But, as, you know, I didn't get in serious trouble till I turned 21, which I'll get to that in a second. But, you know, I did want to be there for him. I did want to be a father to him. I love my son. Um, and at 18 years old, I, I turned down all the scholarship opportunities and said I was going to go to work. Uh, that never worked out either. I just continued to sling and sell dope. Um, and then at 19 years old, I had an opportunity to go play for Motlow College, which was a junior college here in my local area. So I was playing basketball for that team. Didn't even make it to the season. Didn't even make it really to the about the beginning of the school year before I was removed from the team. And, um, you know, so squandered that first opportunity as far as basketball goes and uh, just continue to sell drugs uh, 19 years old also this is when my life took a turn for the worst I had two robberies that happened in my life I was a young skinny kid really wasn't violent up until this point um, soft-spoken kid um, wasn't violent and uh, two robberies happened I had a uh, I got jumped and beat up by who I thought were friends in an apartment complex in Chevyville, Tennessee. And uh, when that happened, I didn't retaliate. This is the drug world. You don't retaliate. Things get ugly. And so the a couple of weeks later, I had a 45 caliber pistol stuck to my chest in broad daylight at a Walmart gas station there in Chevyville, Tennessee. And um, got robbed. Now, there was a, a, uh, a crack deal that had went wrong with them. Uh, before a couple weeks before but this was the world and this was the life that I was wrapped up in and I remember when those two robberies happened after the second one I said this is never going to happen to me again and at 19 years old I began injecting steroids I moved from Chevyville back down to Manchester um, you know and got my own place and just kind of changed my environment a little bit and began running around with a crowd of people that I had known before, but not really um, had uh, been kicking it with on a on a high level um, since we were teenagers. But anyways, uh, I began running around with them, and this is when a streak of violence broke out in my life from 19 to 26. It was like I couldn't go anywhere without fighting somebody, hitting somebody in the mouth, or me getting hit in the mouth. That did not matter to me anymore. 
Um, I did not care. I did not care what people thought about me. I did not care about reputation. I did not care about anything but my drugs and my money. And, um, you know, that was that was my life. And, you know, from 19 to 26, um, that that's what was going on in my life. And I just, uh, you know, I I remember I could just tell you testimony after testimony of how I should be dead and not here um, through overdose situations, laying in beds, begging for God not to let me die. Lord, please don't let me die. Like I said, I grew up in the church and I I knew about Jesus, but I did not know him yet. My God, that will preach right there. I did not know him. I knew of him. And a lot of people know of Jesus, but they don't know him. I remember one time in my life I had took and taken some uh, a pill called Collatidine or something along those lines. And it was Collatidine um, mixed with blood pressure medicine. I didn't have blood pressure problems. So when I took this, the I took six of them at once. That was a normal dose for me. And um, I took six of these pills at once. And um, so it plummeted my blood pressure and I remember laying in that bed I called poison control told them what I took because I knew something was wrong I started walking and just passed out and fell over and I called them they said you need to get to the emergency room quick you're about to die I was on parole at the time 21 I had caught my first felony charge in and out of jails from here to Florida from Tennessee to Florida um, you know, life was just crazy. And, and I was on parole at that time. So I would not go to the hospital because I was I didn't want to go to prison. If I, you know, had overdosed or failed a drug screen, I was afraid I was going to go to prison. So I, uh, you know, I didn't go. And I remember laying in that bed. And I remember one time I got up to go use the restroom and I just passed out. And I just remember seeing black and just stars shooting by me is what it seemed like. And I just remember yelling the name of Jesus and I just snapped out of it. And I laid in that bed for about another three days, just asking for God, please don't let me die like this. Please don't let me die like this. God, I'll never take drugs again and all of this stuff. And, you know, uh, I wound up living through the situation um, and uh, I didn't give my life to the Lord just yet at that moment. Um, But that was my life. And let me say this about what I just said. You know, there is power in the name of Jesus. I was living recklessly, living like a prodigal. I don't even know if I was a prodigal because I really had never given my life to him. But my goodness, you know, and I just said the name of Jesus and I snapped out of what I believe was probably me dying. Um, there's power in that name. If you're listening to this right now and you don't know this one name, Jesus, I encourage you to call upon his name for there is no other name under heaven by which men must be saved, but the name of Jesus. And if you will call upon his name, I can promise you right now that he will step into the room. And if you'll surrender from your heart of hearts, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is the Lord, you shall be saved. So 21 catch a, uh, my first felony charge, have an opportunity to go play ball in Georgia um, squander that as well, had married my son's mother. Um, she didn't take her about 10 months before she packed her bags and left. I was crazy. I was violent. I would punch holes in the wall, rip doors off the wall. My life was just a mess. I'm violent. I'm angry, broken. It was just a mess. Come back to, uh, Manchester, Tennessee, 
where she had took my son because I wanted to be with him. I'm playing football in the backyard with some buddies. I go up for a catch, land in a pothole in the backyard, snap my ankle. And this is where, uh, and tear all my ligaments. And this is where my opioid addiction kicked in. Um, when this happened to me, I was 22 years old. I did not have insurance. Um, I was just a, a drug dealer. And so I went to the hospital. Um, they sent me home in a boot with a prescription full of um, painkillers and that's where my opioid addiction kicked in and man did this take over my life I had always took pain pills partying and doing all of those things um, but it was about to grip my life like never before and so um, a couple years later actually about a year and a half later I believe it was um, I wound up having a car wreck where I flipped the jeep going about 45 miles an hour at one of my best friends wedding on Xanax and prescription medication and vodka um, flipped this Jeep, could have killed me, could have killed somebody. It was absolutely horrible. Said I was going to, down the road to get a Red Bull. Didn't even make it about a half a mile before I had flipped the Jeep. And, and it was just crazy. Like I said, I could tell you testimony after testimony of how I should be dead and not here. Hit across the head with bats, knives pulled on me, um, brawls. All of these things is what my life's wrapped up in. And I'm wrapping this up because I, I don't want to glorify my past. I'm just trying to paint a picture for you. So please hear me out. Um, but at, at, uh, 24 years old, I walked into the doors of the church where I'm on staff now at Canvas Community Church. And, you know, I, the, my first Sunday in there, I was on crutches and I wore sunglasses in the back. I don't even remember this, but the pastor had told me this and, um, you know, I smelled like a pack of Marlboro's and a, a, a liquor store. I mean, I was, I had been drinking and partying. I was on crutches from where I'd been in a fight a couple of nights before on a Friday and kicked somebody in the head. And it was my ankle that was bad. It was my hurt foot. Um, but he just noticed me. How could you not? I'm about six, five and I was about 230 pounds at the time. And, uh, you know, he, he noticed me and he said, you know, Hey, he shook everybody's hand at the end of the church service. He said, Hey, I want you to come to lunch with me. I'm sitting there thinking, man, if this dude knows anything about me, he's not going to want to go to lunch with me. What's wrong with this guy? Whatever. Um, as pastor Johnny chase, pastor Johnny, if you're listening to this, I love you, man. I'm so grateful for you and all that you've done for me in my life. But pastor Johnny began to take me out to lunch, uh, periodically, by the way, I walked in that door, the doors of the church got invited by a friend, um, and I was just broken. I, I, like I said, I grew up in church, so I, I, I'm thinking in my head, well, I've, I'm broken. I've got to change my life. So if there's anything and anywhere that I can change my life, it's got to be at a church building. So I walked in the doors of the church. Like I said, at the end of the service, he invited me to lunch and periodically he would just take me out. He would take me out to lunch and and uh, just pour into me. He didn't beat me across the head with a Bible. He just, you know, loved on me, told me there was more for me than this, shared the gospel with me, and I just kept coming to church. But I, I began to operate in this whirlwind of hypocrisy. By the way, one, one day he had said, you know, what is it that you do for a living? I said, well, uh, I lied to the pastor, guys. I said, well, I do home improvement. I work for myself. He said, oh, that's wonderful. We're remodeling at the church. Why don't you come on down? <laughs> And so I went to the church anyways, and thank God there was just painting, and, and nobody was there but him. And I wanted to escape my life so bad. I knew that the church building was the one place I could escape. I could put my headphones in. Nobody would know I was there. Maybe I could turn my phone off, whatever. But one day he walks in, and, and he asked me, you know, hey, we're painting this wall. Would you help us paint? I come to the church, and he says, 
Um, why don't you check out this guy? I want you to listen to his testimony. A friend of mine just sent me this. And it was a video of Todd White. It was Todd White when he preached at Rama. Uh, this was several years ago. It was two and a half hour long video. And it was his testimony and he was preaching throughout it. And I remember hearing Todd's testimony and saying, my God, if you will do it for this man, you'll do it for me. He had dreadlocks down to his rear end. My brother had dreadlocks. My mom's Puerto Rican and Cuban. I just, I just related to Todd. I was like, wow, this is, this is crazy. God, if you did it for this man, you'll do it for me. He was an atheist, God. Like, at least I believe in you, right? Like, God, I, I, I believe you're real. I believe that Jesus is the son of God, but I need to change my life. I don't know how to change my life. Help me. Um, but I began listening to Todd. I began listening to, I kept coming to church. I began, I was listening to Pastor Johnny. Um, but nothing was changing in my heart because the word of God was not getting in. I wasn't reading the word of God for myself. I wasn't spending time in the presence of God. Let me help us with this real quick. Your life will change when you get into the presence of Almighty God, when you shut the door behind you, when you get into the secret place. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. When you begin to lock yourself away with King Jesus and he steps into the room with you, you will be forever changed. But I wasn't doing that yet. I was listening to man. I was just listening to Todd. I was just listening to Pastor Johnny. I'd never got in the in the presence of God for myself and opened up the word. And so I roll in this whirlwind of hypocrisy for about six months. By the way, I'd married my son's mother. Um, she had told me we was splitting up on and off, on and off. She had said, you know, hey, I want to. I want to join the Navy and I want you and Aiden to go with me. This will be great. We'll get out of here. We'll relocate. I was going to try that relocating thing again that doesn't work. Um, but uh, she joined the she joined the Navy. She joined the military. And then she just dipped out. After she got back from um, uh, boot camp, I was out high on drugs. Um, you know, come, come home, you know, while she was there fighting, arguing, bickering, the normal stuff. And for me and her. And she packed her bags and left and did not call for months on end at a time to talk to Aiden. She did not speak with him anymore. She did not speak with me anymore. She didn't tell us where she was going or anything like that. And so now I'm in the middle of my addiction trying to raise my five-year-old son by myself, a broken individual. And that's when I had started, you know, I walked in the doors of the church there and Pastor Johnny began to love on me and pour into me. And I wanted to be a father to my son. I really did. Um, and she comes, this was about three years later, probably not probably about two, two and a half years later, she comes back. We get in this huge argument. I go to jail again, in and out of jail, by the way, all the time, always with new charges all throughout from 13 to 26. And so, um, my son went with her. He went back with her. She did get him for a little bit. That only lasted about four months before she sent him back with my family. But I went with Pastor Johnny. I said, look, I can't do this anymore. Is there anything that you can do to help me? And this is where we're going to get into the recovery to recovered part of things. The church has to know how to deal with these things. But anyways, I said, is there anything that you can do to help me? And he said, Caleb, have you ever heard of Teen Challenge? I had actually heard of Teen Challenge because my mom went through Teen Challenge in 1982. She got shot in Miami, Florida. My praying grandmother, God rest her soul, sent her to Impact Ministries out of Huntsville, Alabama. It was a, basically a Teen Challenge Center. 
Um, and so I've been hearing about Teen Challenge my whole life from her. It's where she gave her life to the Lord. She now holds a PhD. Shout out to you, Mama. Love you. I'm proud of you. Um, but I, you know, she changed her life through the program. Todd White went to the program for like two months, had some miraculous dreams. God sent him on. So I've been hearing about this program. I said, Yes, I have heard of Teen Challenge. What do I got to do? So they paid for my induction fee. Um, and I started calling the Teen Challenge in Virginia because I wanted to be near my son so he could come visit me. I entered into Teen Challenge Fredericksburg, Virginia. Shout out to Teen Challenge Fredericksburg, Virginia. Pastor Mike, Pastor Jordan, love you guys. Thank you guys for pouring into me. Um, and so um, I spent a year there. Um, I spent a year in, in uh, the Teen Challenge program. I actually graduated from Teen Challenge Training Center in Pennsylvania. I did four months in Fredericksburg, and then I did the rest of my time there in Pennsylvania at the training center. And, um, you know, it, it was incredible. I I can't show you because I'm on a podcast, but I have the Bible sitting right beside me. I devoured the Word of God for those 11 months that I was there. I literally read the cover off of my Bible. It looks like a coloring book in that Bible, and it changed me. I had an encounter with King Jesus. You know, the Bible says in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. When you spend time in the word, you are spending time with Jesus. And let me tell you folks right now, Jesus is the only thing that can change the attic. Jesus is the only force in the universe that can take something and let it be born again and let it become a brand new creation, one not associated with its past mistakes, its past way of thinking, its past way of living, its past way of doing things. Jesus is the only one that can save the addict. And we as the church, what do we have? We ain't got nothing but Jesus. And if you got anything extra besides Jesus, you might want to realign your church because he's the only thing that matters. He's the only thing that we're called to elevate. He's the only thing that can take somebody and take their ashes and turn it into something beautiful that can take a lifestyle of sin and regret and shame and turn it into something beautiful where it can turn a hit all the tests into a testimony where it can turn the mess into a message that can help people just like my story. You know, I, uh, I come home from teen challenge and graduated. I felt God was calling me to start a program like teen challenge here in my home area. We have never had anything like this. And I said, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? Who do you want me to speak to? How do you want me to raise funds? He said, I'll tell you what I want you to do. I want you to wait. So I waited for two years, just letting God develop me, letting God continue um, to disciple me through his Holy Spirit, staying plugged in with the church, letting them disciple me. I got a became a part of the young adult group called The Forge, which I now pastor about eight months after I come home. They put me on staff at the church and I've been on staff with them ever since as the young adult pastor. We're seeing God's spirit poured out, poured out on a generation um, with the Forge Young Adult Group that I pastor, it has been absolutely incredible to be a part of. Um, and so I wound up in 2018 starting Be the Bush Recovery Ministries. Yes, that is Be the Bush Recovery Ministries. That's not Beat the Bush, Burning Bushes, any of that. It's Be the Bush, and it simply stems from this. God is looking to raise up a people group and make them a vessel for his voice 
and for him to speak through. Hence the be the bush. You know, I got tired of hearing people. Well, brother, I wish God talked through a burning bush again. Maybe somebody listen. Well, why don't you be the bush? Why don't you let God set you on fire? Why don't you get in his presence and let the anointing and the fire of God hit your life so that you can be a vessel for the kingdom of God? And so God is rising up out of the unlikely, out of the ones that society has written off. He's rising up some bushes that are on fire, that are willing to be vessels for him. And so we started in 2018, last April, or this past uh, couple months ago in April, we opened up Miriam House, which is our sister ministry, hence Miriam, she is the sister of Moses, and we're believing to rise up some women prophets out of our ministry. Um, you know, Miriam led the children of Israel and the women of Israel in a song and dance after they come out of Exodus, after they come out of bondage, which uh, that's exactly what addiction is, by the way, church. Addiction is bondage. And we're seeing people come out of addiction and out of bondage and into the freedom that God has for them. And so now we have Miriam House open as well. I will be having our women's director, Tasha Hillcox on the show soon so i'm really excited about that and uh we're, we're rising up a generation and we're rising up people we're rising up sons and daughters that will take this thing and run with it you know i believe that be the bush recovery ministries will be a resource for the country long after i'm gone i believe 100 years after i'm long long and gone that that this ministry will still be operating this ministry will still be running and seeing lives changed lives transformed by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that's what God has brought me out of. That's um, what I have the pleasure of doing. Sometimes I pinch myself in the morning and wake up saying, God, do I really get to do what I do? Being the director of this this ministry um, and seeing people's lives literally transformed and changed right in front of my eyes. It is absolutely incredible to be a part of. And so you know, the Recovery to Recovered podcast, here's a little little taste of what it's going to be like on this show. And so if you tuned in today, just th- I just thank you so much. You know, um, you know, God blessed me with that testimony to be able to just represent him well now. He's filled me with his spirit. He has changed me. I am not the same person that I used to be. And that's the whole purpose of the name, you know, Recovery to Recovered. I am not saying that you do not come, that you just come to this place where you never have to grow anymore. You're not going to grow in Christ anymore. That's not what the, the point of the name is. The point of the name is to get people to understand. Yes, there's a healing process. Yes, there's a recovery process, but you're bought by the blood of Jesus. You have been redeemed and the road to recovery ends on a street called redeemed. You are redeemed, been bought by the blood of Jesus. I believe that recovery is not something that happens to you. Recovery is something that happens in you. Come on, somebody. Recovery is something that happens in you when Jesus Christ comes in and fills you with his spirit and changes you from the inside out. Man, that gets me fired up. I'm so excited about this show. I'm excited that you are listening to to it as well. Please uh, rate our podcast wherever it is that you're listening to iTunes, Spotify. Please rate the show. Please tune in. This show will be airing every Wednesday morning and you can go back and check out 
um, you know, episodes and, and check in. If you want to support the ministry, um, please do so. You can support us at BeTheBushMinistries.com or MiriamHouse.com, and you can become a monthly partner, so a one-time seed um, into the ministry and into this show and into this ministry by doing so you can just write in the memo what it is um, that you want your seat to go to can go straight to the men and women's home or straight to this show so that we can stay on the air and equip the church to deal with recovery and to equip the saints to how to wrap your loving arms around the person dealing with addiction so that they will have the opportunity to be changed and made whole, and made new. Amen and amen. Well, we love you guys. So grateful for you and for you listening to the show today. Thank you for listening to the show today. Keep tuning in. Keep checking us out. Like I said, please rate us um, on any on the, any platform that you watch the show or listen to the show. We love you guys, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Recovery to Recover podcast. If you like what you heard today, visit BeTheBushMinistries.com or MiriamHouse.com to become a monthly partner or for more info about our ministry and what we are accomplishing for the kingdom of God. You can also follow me on Facebook at Caleb McCall or on Instagram at Pastor Caleb Mack. See you next week.